You are listening to Conversations in the Cloud, a weekly podcast where IT leaders exchange insights about issues around cloud architectures for the data center. And now your host, Alison Klein. Welcome to Conversations in the Cloud. My name is Alison Klein, and today I'm very pleased to have Kevin Reed, CEO and CTO of VirtuStream with me. Welcome, Kevin. Hi, Alison. Thank you. So, Kevin, you guys made a big splash at the ODCA forecast event earlier this month uh, with the announcement of new services associated with the ODCA uh, requirements. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, but you also happen to be the co- co-founder of VirtuStream. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your background and how you came to form this company. You know, in terms of background, I started off in the consulting industry with Accenture, but back then it was um, Anderson Consulting. Myself and my co-founder, Rodney Rogers, have had a strong history of entrepreneurialism together. Uh, that started actually all the way back at Accenture, which is where we met as a partnership worked for a while and then started our first business. Um, ran that for about five years, focusing on enterprise customers. So in 2008, we had sold that business. We started VirtuStream in 2009 and uh, focused primarily on the enterprise segment and figuring out how we could apply this type of technology in a very effective way for the applications that were running enterprise customers. Tell us a little bit about where VirtuStream is today and what market segment you think is your sweet spot in terms of uh, product offerings? Sure. So as we formed VirtuStream initially, our focus was on providing an end-to-end solution for these enterprise clients that were looking to really move into that next wave of efficiency. We first offered up infrastructure as a service, and we felt like software was not the right place to start because the market was too nascent. And uh, we didn't believe that enterprises really understood what their requirements would be at So rather than um, try to build a product looking for uh, a use case, we decided that we would go for infrastructure as a service and then ease into the software stack. And then over the course of a couple years of building our our own software stack and learning more and more about what the needs were of our clients, we incorporated a lot of that into what is referred to now as Extreme. We have now released Extreme to from a software standpoint. We actually have a service provider edition that we're putting out for companies that are in the industry that have clients that they would like to be able to offer solutions to. And we continue to now offer private cloud-type software directly to those enterprise clients that were initial customer base so that they could leverage both the benefits of having their own private cloud within their environment in addition to having the um, ability to leverage capacity on demand from a cloud computing service in a very secure, federated manner. Uh, the government is also another area that we think has um, strong potential for us. And uh, later this year, we'll be announcing our government edition, which will be focused on compliance in the federal sector and uh, all of the regs and capabilities that go along with that. Well, then along comes uh, the Open Data Center Alliance, and, and we get to our topic for the, the week. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've done to augment the product offerings that you have in the marketplace to meet the ODCA requirements and how you got there? Sure. So the ODCA has been a a real blessing, I think, for all service providers, but certainly from our standpoint, it, it has been a tremendous benefit. And so with that said, when we realized that security 
was definitely one of the areas which we always felt was top of mind for enterprise-class CIOs and CFOs and was essentially the, the biggest barrier to adoption along with the compliance that goes along with that. We felt that we really needed to steer our own product set towards having something that was above and beyond what was available in the marketplace. So using that feedback from the ODCA, we actually then worked with uh, Intel from a collaborative standpoint to work on coming up with a trusted execution platform so that we could actually offer up to our clients the choice of having uh, trusted pools of resources as well as having what we would refer to as untrusted pools, which would be the standard in the industry currently. And when you talk about the trusted pools, it seems like, you know, there's been a lot of talk about authentication and streamlining of authentication across cloud apps, but you're taking this to um, trusted hardware level. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing to make sure that the hardware configuration is actually trusted beyond just software authentication? We've listened to the feedback, not only from the ODCA, but also from other enterprise customers that we've engaged with, saying that because the cloud is this mythical thing where you're leveraging resources in many cases that are not within the walls of your data center, things like geotagging, making sure that the processing is occurring and the data is being held within the geographical bounds, and also that the hardware that it's running on, given that it's not within your own walls and therefore not necessarily within your control, to attest to the fact that the hardware has not been tampered with. We were very pleased when we learned uh, through the collaboration with Intel about the uh, TXT offering, the Trusted Execution and Technology, and, and being able to leverage TXT so that we could actually have a silicon-based or chip-based authentication so that when that hardware is actually going into service, we can attest to the fact that it has not been tampered with. And, uh, and as we understand the way the, the roadmap will work, this will start to extend itself, you know, even further into the hypervisor stack and, and ultimately beyond that so that we can always compare uh, a set of codes that will legitimize or attest to the fact that there has been no tampering. When you talk to customers about what you've been able to accomplish here, do you feel like you're you're uh, turning the corner in terms of maybe some of their trepidation about uh, moving their applications into the club? We, we definitely do. And the reason why we feel very comfortable with that, Allison, is because when we sit with clients and explain to them in detail how we manage the security, the logging, the authentication, and the continuous monitoring within our platform, we've actually realized now that we've gotten to the point now where we have actually exceeded the security capabilities, requirements, or practices of many of our customers. And I think that's when you start to really turn the corner, and that's when clients typically will start to open their eyes and, and step back and say, oh, okay, well, we do feel comfortable moving into a model like this. Now let's talk about performance and cost savings, which are parts of what come along with the economies of scale and the leveraging of capacity scale within these cloud services. Where can folks go to learn more about this, and where can they connect with you? www.virtustream.com. That's D-I-R-T-U-S-T-R-E-A-M.com. We have case studies on there, and we have a number of different types of uh, information and content that is very helpful in educating 
our prospects as to what the capabilities are within secure federated cloud services like Virtue Streams. Fantastic. Well, I'm very excited about the, the developments and we'll be following Virtue Stream. We'd love to have you on the program in the future to catch up with you on the progress uh, that these new services are making in the marketplace. Thanks a lot, Allison.